Hello and welcome to Come Along With Me, a podcast for fans who finished all 10 seasons of Adventure Time and want to journey back through the land of Ooh in an episode-by-episode analysis of Cartoon Network's most mathematical TV show. I am KK the Human. And I'm Laura the Human. This is Chapter 2.8, Crystals Have Power, boarded by Cole Sanchez and Jesse Moynihan. In this episode of Come Along With Me, when they said that Rose Quartz was the Crystal of Peace... I don't think this is what they meant. This podcast contains full spoilers for all of Adventure Time. If you haven't finished the series, turn back now. After receiving a mysterious pink crystal with a lipstick mark identical to the supposedly dead tree trunks, Finn is researching gemstones in hopes of shining light on the situation. To distract him, Jake challenges him to a rough boy contest. Unfortunately, Jake wins the contest due to the immensely powerful shape-shifting dog seriously hurting his brother. This launches Jake into a guilty spiral about his own power, especially when he recalls an incident from his youth. After accidentally knocking out his brother Jermaine in a boxing match, his dad told him that he would hurt everybody. So Jake resolves to never physically hurt anybody ever again. His new vow is tested immediately when Finn is kidnapped by a group of crystal warriors set on transforming Finn into crystals for reasons unknown. Battling visions of his father and his own guilt, Jake tries to subdue the guards non-violently, but fails miserably. Finn is transformed, at which point a giant floating version of tree trunks with red crystals for eyes appear. She has ascended to become queen of the crystal men, but has selected Finn to be her king. When Finn refuses, she attacks. Jake has a final vision where his brother, who isn't dead, they're just dreaming together, reassures Jake that he knows his brother never meant to hurt him. His dream dad also clarifies what he originally meant was that Jake will hurt everybody who is evil. Then I'm over it, Jake says, and goes on to punch the corrupting crystal apple out of Tree Trunk's stomach. Tree Trunks is very embarrassed about the whole thing. She lets Finn know how much she respects his kindness and how well he treats her. Together, the three of them return to Ooh, T.T. promising to make them pie. Tree trunks, tree trunks, tree trunks, tree trunks. Yeah, she's back. She's back. She's back. She's in the house. She's back. Can't believe they killed her off originally. (laughs) So this is a cool Sanchez and uh, Jesse Moynihan joint. I think it's Jesse's first episode. Yeah, and I've got to say, um, I mean, it checks out with his later works, doesn't it? <laughs> he definitely uh, got a bit of a uh, reputation in the fandom for doing some very high-concept lore episodes, as it were. He's see, one of my favorite boarders, I think. I really dig a lot of his episodes as well. And this this is a, a fun a fun romp for the most part, I'd say. Yes, agreed. And I think it's the first step that has something I would call direct continuity. <laughs> I know, that's really fun. Yeah, which is wild, considering that it all came because they originally offed 
tree trunks is a joke. People complained. They put a hasty, nope, she's not dead, stinger at the end of the ep- of the episode. And then they were like, so do we want to, like, bring her back properly? And here we are. I like the crystal guards a lot. I liked the shading on them. Certain crystals catch the light in a very specific way. And I feel like the uh, the color artists seem to have really ca- captured that. Yeah, the crystal dimension is a cool, cool place. Isn't this, is it the same crystal dimension where Lady Redicorn comes from? Huh. It might be. I don't remember there being as many crystals in Lady Redicorn's crystal dimension, though. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Which makes you wonder why it was named that. <laughs> Maybe it's just one cave. <laughs> it's the equivalent of, like, somebody landing on a new continent. It's like, we will call this River World. And they're like, <laughs> uh, like... There's not that many rivers, actually. It's like, too bad. It's not River World. What's your favorite part of the episode, Laura? I think it's Finn defending Jake from people bullying him for his emotional breakdown. (laughs) He's just like, he's having problems. Everybody has problems. So sweet of him. My favorite part is when Jake farts because he's concentrating too hard. Yeah, that would be it. That would be it. (laughs) It's also very good when Jake goes, woo, woo, tough boys. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely, it feels like he was trying to adopt his dad's uh, signature speech style. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, let's talk about Joshua, huh? Ugh. You know, I, it doesn't make me happy to think that he's not a good dad, but he's got two episodes where he's a pretty rotten dad, at least two. Yeah, um... You see, I feel like he's not an awful dad. I feel like he was trying. Uh, you know, I feel like Adventure Time is very big on parents as people, often yeah. flawed people, and I feel like you can put Joshua firmly in that camp. That's a, that's a really good way to put it. You're right, because he's not horrible, but he's a real jerk. He is a real sometimes. jerk. Yeah, he, you know... He trained his kids up to be fighters and expected them to follow in his footsteps and didn't seem to be great at the kind of emotional vulnerability side of things. Yeah, not so good. Not so good. I had only a realization rewatching the set for the the recording. Oh, yeah. Okay, I've never seen this show, so I'd love to hear from fans and ex-fans if this holds up. But Joshua is the equivalent... Of the dad from Supernatural. <laughs> who trained their kids to be, his kids to be monster hunters. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, if you've, if you've ever seen the show, let us know if that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, and I sure hope that the dad from Supernatural spoke in a 1930s radio voice, because that would oh, be... Oh, gosh, me too. Then I might actually watch the show. Then I might no. actually watch the show. I will never watch that show. I gave it like four episodes and I was like, nah, no. Nah. no. I, I still remember being like 17 and walking by a billboard for for it in, in downtown Hong Kong, which was wild that we did not get billboards for uh, Western TV shows very often being like, huh, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't realize that it would be here for so very long. Speaking of Jake's family, uh, Jermaine. Jermaine. Yeah, which really does feel like the writers forgot he existed for like seven seasons, huh? It does feel a little bit like that, because he's not in many episodes overall. 
Well, he shows up. Yeah, he he he. I feel like it's not until like season seven where he shows up again, and they did a decent job of retconning why he hasn't been around. Um, but boy, it really. He was too busy. He was too busy like taking care of all the demons and stuff in his in his parents' house. Yeah, Yeah. but it it does kind of retroactively make Finn and Jake seem like total jerks for not ever visiting their brother. (laughs) And I have to ask again, I don't know if we're just not paying close enough attention because we're used to them referring to themselves as brothers, so if it's happened yet, we just haven't noticed. But, like, are Finn and Jake and Jermaine brothers at this point? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure if the writers have clarified that yet. No. They just seem, they mostly just seem to refer to themselves as best friends. Best friends, right. Which, again, is, like, that's very cute and wholesome when you read it from... That the perspective that they knew, but it's also like a little bit strange. Like even if your brother is your best friend, you usually would say my brother. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, maybe you could excuse that as this is a thousand years in the future and linguistics has clearly changed a bit. But you know, you know, uh, it definitely does read weirder, knowing that their relationship as family members is a pretty big part of the show down the line, right? Yeah, I mean, for real. And also, I wish there was more Jermaine. Me too. He's a great character. He's a voice by John DiMaggio in this episode, but then by Tom Sharpling moving oh. forward. Man, I didn't realize. I, I was wondering who was voicing it because it's clearly not. Uh... Sharpling. Sharpling. Why do I. I don't know why I forget his name constantly. I respect his voice acting a lot. I just. The name is in one ear and out the other. I don't get it. It's funny that. Um... Last episode, he's like, yay, I won the day by being a rowdy party dog. And this episode, he's like, <laughs> nonviolent and <laughs> well, so pathetic. That's because he wasn't possessed by all the party spirits, you know? Uh, if we got those back, uh, maybe things would have turned out differently. This was also the second episode we've had where Finn and or Jake attempt to do a vow of peaceful resolution and fail. <laughs> It's it's weird that we got two of those pretty close together, all things told. Yeah, um, but I I guess it's a good way to clash with their heroic rowdy boy natures. Um, so it's an easy way to mine conflict within yeah. the story. And yeah. I mean, it becomes a much deeper, richer theme as the seasons go on, as Finn matures. For sure, for sure, because he does become a huge advocate for for peace and looking for nonviolent ways to resolve things. Right. Soft Jake is very cute. He he is cute. I like his petting. <laughs> and the people just being finding that kind of awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um at one point one of the crystal guards says, "Hurry up guys. I got to drop a crystal donk." <laughs> the f- <laughs> I gotta drop a crystal donk. I like. Are he, they're like, are you Finn the human? And he's like, depends. Are you guys good or evil? 
And they go, uh, we're good. And he's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. He's a naive boy, huh? Yeah, he sure is. And I think it's a good lesson that A, evil people can't be trusted to say it. And B, doesn't everyone think that they're good? Mm. Mm. It's profound. It's profound. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I'm a philosopher. Quartzion, the Crystal Queen. <laughs> we love you, Quartzion. We love you. If I, that name really took me off to this episode, basically being like a send up of like 1980s B sci fi, you know, or even like 19, 1960s, like early. Like Zardoz almost. Yeah, very, you know, kidnapped by an alien queen. How will he escape? Dun dun dun, you know? So it's kind of like Steven Universe in more ways than one. <laughs> we how many how many minutes did we get through before we made a Steven a lot? Universe? We got a lot of minutes through without referencing Steven Universe. <laughs> yeah, you know, be proud of us, listeners. I'm impressed. <laughs> I really like um, crystals. I just want to say that appropriate of nothing. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about how it's a really pretty uh, backdrop, right? And the, we like too. the crystal guards as well. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I'm, I'm genuinely, I've got a little collection of crystals. Uh, I just think they look pretty. And it sits in a bowl, and I've got a little uh, stuffed dragon that sits on top of it because it's his hoard. That's cute. I didn't yeah. know that. I wore rose quartz at my wedding. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, it's a, it's a popular gem for a reason, you know? Return of tree trunks, as we said. Return of tree trunks. How do we feel about the flirting with the 13-year-old? Uh, it's not great. Yeah, it it toes the line for me be- between being so ridiculous it's funny and being like, it's just still weird, though. I agree. I It's, right, because it's kind of like, haha, she's an old lady, so it's funny. But it's like, well, is it, though? Because he's a child. He is a child, and... Like, I don't know, like, I feel like he could have had something there with, like, the episode was longer or, you know, we had maybe some of the the more depth of later Adventure Time where you could put more into, like, Tree Trunks has these genuine feelings of affection, non-romantic affection for Finn, which I think is very wholesome. Uh, But, you know, she was possessed and it got warped into something, you know, so different from how it actually is. But, you know, I don't. It's pretty unclear in the end whether or not she still has romantic feelings for him. Yeah. Like, he, she she says that's embarrassing. And she gives a pretty sweet compliment to Finn, but she never apologizes or say, I don't actually feel that way about you, right? No, she doesn't. Um, I mean, you know, she, she apologizes for going... Uh for being possessed and stuff so kind of and i mean like you know does she, she doesn't do it I don't when think she does she says that was embarrassing and she oh. sounds regretful but i don't think she actually says i'm sorry well geez that's not great it's mm. not great there's mm. a lot of that of the like borderline stuff with finn in early seasons but i mean i, I mean i think we've said it before like these early seasons i think it was because you know it was taking a lot of cues from riffing on like conan the bear barbarian type stuff where you know the the main hero you know has women falling for him left right and center 
but the weird combination of that hero being 12 and almost every woman he interacts with being, you know, at least two to three years, if not more, older than him, gives it a weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad she's back. Me too. Love and drunks. I also want to say that outside of the weird flirting with the 12 year old in this one episode, I love the tree trumps is so sexual. <laughs> Me too. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am so glad she got Mr. Pig and those two were up to some weird stuff. We can snuggle through time and space and kiss each other in an alternate dimensional plane. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, I love that line. Again, so many great lines. Just wish it was a little divorced from the actual context we got. And then that last line. Or even not even last line. The part about if he had all that many pennies, he would be Abraham Lincoln. If I had a penny for every time somebody went crazy, hopped up on magical energy, I'd be Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Which... Is just one of those things that knowing what Abraham Lincoln is in this, you know, it makes no sense either way, but it makes no sense either way. I I still love it. I still love it. And I love that Abraham Lincoln is the king of Mars. So, yeah, this is a really fun episode. Yeah, I like this episode. That's two in a row. Two in a row. But what what do we have coming up next? I want to see if we can keep this streak going, you know? The other tarts is good. Mm-hmm. Is that the only good episode? The real you and Guardians of Sunshine. Is that the one where... That's that the 3D video game one? Because I the, love that episode. That's the Minecraft app before they did the Minecraft app. Oh, yeah. I love that episode. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking Great. To Cut a Woman's Hair is good. Mystery Train is good. Yeah. We we got it. We got it. All right. It's, it's picking up from here. It's picking up. Okay. Good. Because... It's kind of a downer to talk about episodes you don't like. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and there's so few of them in, like, later Adventure Time for me. So. Yeah, so it's just... some These early seasons can be rough. They can be uh, a little rough. Uh, we got some snail mail from a fan named Allison. Uh, Allison the Human, thank Allison you. Read the, the full title. <laughs> Allison the Human. Uh, they say they, they love the cast. Thank you so much. Uh, they just listened to the Enchiridion episode, and at the end, when Finn and Jake are sitting at the picnic table and envision themselves as heroes, Finn imagines himself super buff with a bionic arm. The amputated arm of the hero is a huge theme throughout the show. I'm curious what you made of it. Perhaps not just in this episode, but throughout the series as a whole. That is such a good catch. I'm, I mean, I did you not see notice that. me neither. You see the, the hints are all throughout the series, but at what point did they intentionally start putting them in? Because I don't think it was that soon. That was just, that seems to me like it's just a crazy coincidence. I think it really, so first of all, I want to say up front, Finn losing his arm and kind of the weird thematic sense of inevitability is one of my favorite things about the entire show. So I'm so glad I now have an excuse to talk about it now, and you can expect me to ramble about it many more times over the coming episodes. Um, I think it must have just started, like, this is a cool thing for a hypothetical future, right? And then I think they just kept putting it in as, like, an Easter egg joke thing, and then eventually, you know, they had enough of these piled up together, they're like, well, we gotta actually do something with it now, right? Yeah. Because, it, yeah, it pretty much comes up in every alternate timeline, every past life where Finn actually had an arm, 
every dream sequence, anything with an alternate version of himself involves a missing arm, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I just really love it. Like, it's this this sense of inevitability. Uh, it's, it fascinates me. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, very cool, and I don't know. That's it. It's just very cool. It's very cool, and I mean, I love it when he actually does lose his arm because there's not a lot of rep in TV show, especially not fantasy TV shows, or media in general for disabled protagonists. Right. It's just really cool to have somebody like, yeah, he lost his arm, but he's still awesome and cool. And, you know, it's not to say that it didn't affect him because it obviously does affect him, but it wasn't the be all and end all of his life. KK, people want to watch more things about crystals. Help them. Uh, well, there's a little, little old Disney movie called Atlantis, The Lost Empire. It is not uh, in the larger pantheon. It is not a very well-known movie for Disney. It's not a musical or anything, but the animation is very cool. You get some character design that you don't see anywhere else in Disney. Very um, H.G. Wells. Yeah, very H.G. Wells. Uh it's about uh, finding the lost city of Atlantis. So you get a lot of gorgeous landscapes once they get there and a lot of uh, cool ocean type of creatures as well. It's just beautiful. It's a fun storyline. So uh, give it a watch if you haven't already. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely one of those hidden gems, uh, uh, which is a real crying shame because it was definitely one of the more creative things that came out of that era of Disney. But Sadly, it did not have a princess or singing in it, so uh, the Disney executives didn't give it the love it really deserved, I feel. It's also about linguistics, which is really cool. It is a bit. I mean, I don't think we can call it realistic linguistics. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that Atlantean it, it can be translated into literally every other language because it's the source language. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting theories there. Uh, you know, Actually, unrelated to this, I find the idea of Atlantis really fascinating. Like, oh, yeah. I listen to a lot of history podcasts and also like uh, various podcasts on kind of like fringe spiritual and religious movements. And I find it fascinating how many people are genuinely trying to find Atlantis. I mean, the ocean's quite big. The ocean is quite big, but like. It's the, it feels like the equivalent of people trying to find Plato's cave, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's very interesting, uh, and I could ramble about it a lot. Atlantis is a cool setting. Love it for a fantasy setting. Not gonna lie. But thank you so much for joining Lauren KK the humans on Come Along With Me. Email us at adventuretimepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Come Along With Me, where the last E is a three. And then, you know, Instagram, Tumblr, TikTok, Facebook, all at Adventure Time Pod. So hit us up with your questions and comments, then grab your friends and go to Very Distant Lands.